This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. Open the Voice Gate for October 27th, 2020. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling feed or on the Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to redcircle.com. You click the red button there and you can do a one time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but they're certainly appreciated. And a special thank you to all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Case Slow. In case, November is upon us. This is a month that's going to be the busiest and more and unprecedented in the history of the Dragon System. And I don't know if I'm like emotionally ready for this or psychologically or physically ready for this, but are you? I just want to see... I just want to do a heat check to see how you are as we are about to get into Gate of Destiny and then Kobe World two weeks later. Well, the good news is is that the month of November, especially here in America, is normally a pretty relaxed time, and this year should be no different. It's not like I have a ton of other stuff going on outside of the world of Dragon Gate, so I should be able to fully invest myself emotionally in this Japanese wrestling product that is about to ramp up to unparalleled speeds in the month of November, but no, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a good time. I think as we transition out of what have essentially been road two shows for the past month, month and a half and get into not only a big five show on gate of destiny, but then a rescheduled Kobe world card 12 days later. I think it's really exciting. I think it's, it's a time period where Dragon Gate can solidify themselves. Now, I know for me at Mike, it's already out of the question. I don't think any promotion has been better than Dragon Gate all year. But hopefully, in the next three to four weeks, Dragon Gate solidifies itself as the promotion of 2020 that started off hot, adapted to the empty arena setting, and then adapted to the limited capacity setting better than, to my knowledge, any wrestling company on Earth. And just so everyone gets a sense of what we're talking about, about how busy things are going to be, it is not just that Gate of Destiny is on the 3rd. That just kicks things off, Case, because then on November 5th, Tokyo Corken Hall, November 7th, Kyoto KBS Hall, November 15th, World Kennen Hall for Kobe World, and then then there's a little bit of a break, but then, but then November 28th, uh, Gate of Origin and Sendai, and then they have this insane run. So that's on the 28th of December. This is what their first 10 days of December look like. December 2nd, Cork and Hall. 
December 4th, Hokkaido triple shot. Night 2, December 5th. Night 3, December 6th. Uh, and then Kobe Sambo Hall on December 8th. It is going to become fast and furious. If you're someone who has been like kind of dipping your toe in the water, going like, you know what, it's it, it, Dragon Gate is an expensive service. I don't want to just put all to invest in all this if they only do so many shows. November, December will be the two months that you'll get the most bang out of your buck than possible on this network. I think we called August the best value possible when August uh, became a month this year. The uh, it, it, During that time period, we were saying, you know, the Dragon Gate Network, this is the best time to subscribe. It will never get busier than this. There were eight live shows, and we were incorrect. It turns out November and December will be even busier. We'll have all of the coverage here, at least Gate of Destiny, Kobe World, obviously, uh, in I, I will say that November Cork had obviously written coverage there on VoicesOfWrestling.com. Maybe Mike will take that Cork and review. We will see. A uh, lot of stuff. A <laughs> lot of stuff coming up in my life. Uh, well, I don't know if I'll be able to sit down and write out a review for that. But uh, yes, uh, I highly recommend people subscribing to the Dragon Gate Network now to get two full months of wall-to-wall content, really. It's, it, it's an exciting time. And the good news is uh, it's all, for the most part, big shows and nothing like this Nara show that we will ever so quickly talk about before getting into the Gate of Destiny preview. All right, okay, so for this, and we will talk about the show very briefly. I'm going to see how quickly we can do this. They had their uh, Nara Centennial Hall, December tw- or October 25th, Naruki Doi's 20th anniversary homecoming, attendance 414, completely sold out. It was their last show before Gate of Destiny. It uh, just, I'm going to run down the results real quick, Case, and then we can give our thoughts. This was like the, like talking, speaking about Road 2 shows, this was the most Road 2 show you could have possible. Opener was Team Boku, Ryotsu Shimizu, and Punch Sanmaka going to a time limit draw with Dragon Gate Generation, Yamato, and Jason Lee. Second match, singles match, KZ versus Yuzushi Kanda. KZ won in 9 minutes and 8 seconds the KZ time. Match 3, trios, Dragon Gate team of Keske Akuda, Kota Minora, and Dragon Daya defeat the R.E.D. team of Kaido Ishida, Diamante, and Daya Inferno when Inferno is disqualified for using a weapon on Daya in 1349. Match 4, Ginki Horiguchi and Susumi Yokosuka, the number one contenders for the Open the Twin Gate Tag Team Championships, defeat the class of 2020 representatives Kento Kabune and Takedo Kamai with a Yokosuka cutter on Kamai in 13 minutes and 30 seconds. Semi-main event was the... Uh, I don't even know if you call them the number one contender or they've got next. I'll say the, the trio that has next at Kobe World, they are current. They were currently in the uh, the Triangle Gate match at Kobe World against the winners of Gate of Destiny. That is the Toribon team of Dragon Kid, Shuji Kondo, and Kakatora. They lost to the Dragon Gate team of Benkei, Yosuke Samurai, and UT. Uh, UT had a flash pin that kind of came out of the Kagnoi that was a little bit of a mess. And then they added themselves to Kobe World, so that's now a three-way Triangle Gate match. Main event was the homecoming match for Naruki Doi, as he led the Torimon team of Ultimo Dragon, Naruki Doi, Masato Yoshino, and Ryo Saito versus the R.E.D. team of Ada, B.B. Hulk, and Takashi Yoshida, and Hio. Hio took the fall in 19 minutes and 19 seconds with a Bakatari sliding kick. Case, your thoughts on Nara? There's one match on this show that is worth watching. Mike, do you have any inclination as to what match I think that is? I have a sneaking suspicion that it might involve some youngsters. 
<laughs> dangerous way of saying that, Mike, but indeed it is. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, the the young boy tag, Kabuna and Kamai versus Horiguchi and Susumu. I really liked this because we are now starting to see the youngsters, the class of 2020, We've seen their foundation. We know what they can do on a surface level. They are now adding moves and dynamics to their repertoire, and it is it is now an even more exciting time to watch them. Mike, I don't know if you noticed Kabuni and Kamai busting out a tandem moonsault in this match. Standing moonsaults from both guys, that was new. And also, the spot that had me clapping in my living room uh, Genki Horiguchi had a backslide from heaven attempt on Takedo Kamai, and how does Kento Kabune save his partner? Well, he does that by deadlift German suplexing Horiguchi from that backslide position. So that match I went three and a half stars on, best match on the show, and one that I would highly recommend because now we're seeing the rookies adding to, the, to their tool belt. Yeah, I went three and a half stars as well on it. Just was a really fun match, and they're almost like, these two are coming up on their one-year anniversary. They'll be rookies no longer. But, like, they're really starting to put together. We're getting some double teams out of them. We're seeing more of their moveset. And they really kind of got their roles down. Uh, Kamei is tremendous as the babyface in peril. And then Kabuna came in and just clocked Susumi Koska as much as he could. The only other match that I thought was... Th- that I went above three stars for was the uh, R.E.D. versus... Dragon Gate Trios match where, you know, I have to admit that my my worries about the Die Inferno's mask, that's a me thing. That That's not anything about it. That's my own personal uh, just load to bear for just thinking like that. I wouldn't want to wrestle in that mask. Maybe the Die Inferno is totally okay with it. And that was a pretty fun uh, match as well. Really not much else to talk about this show. This A lot of people coasting on Naruki Toy's homecoming show. There's really not a lot there. When you when you first start off the show with a 15 minute time limit draw of having punched Samanaga, you know you're in to, you're in for an interesting night. Not necessarily a good night, but an interesting night. Yeah, these homecoming shows. I mean, the Yoshino one was no different. They're filmed for Dragon Gate Network, but they're not on the normal television loop. So these are in essence Dragon Gate house shows with maybe a big main event. Although, like I said last week, I thought the main event booked here. While I understand it. It was the least interesting match possible, and the 19 minutes leading to the Bakatare sliding kick on Yo backed up that theory that it was the least interesting main event possible. But yeah, there's just not a ton here, but you know, I I get it. There's a big show coming up. There are big shows coming up, and I will say briefly uh, about Die Inferno just before we move on. I I think your fears about the gear and perhaps even the in-ring style to an extent are warranted. I just don't think we're getting Die Inferno for that long. So I'm right. not necessarily concerned about it at this point. Now, if he's hanging around in May with the same gear, doing the same moves, then I think there's a greater discussion to be had. But I would be shocked if that mask is still a prevalent thing, even as we head into 2021. It would really surprise me if it was still sticking around. No, I'm with you on that. Uh, it's something where it just kind of like how compressed things are. It does not feel like a long-term thing. The only other thing of note was UT. I, like, I did not care for that match that much. That was most gentlemen's three semi-main event one could have. UT, though, gets like a special like participation award because every bit of those three stars was whenever UT was in the ring in that trios match. Like UT versus Suji Kondo was a lot of fun in that semi-main event. Just the rest of the match, 
You know, I mean, it was a house show, as you said. But UT, if you're a UT fan like I am, you might like that semi-main event. Well, think about it. If you're UT, these are the kind of spots that you really have to make the most of because, as we've seen, he's positioned to be the bottom-tier Dragon Gate guy. I mean, if you look at the Gaiora website right now, I believe, other than OG Shiba in Problem Dragon, UT is the lowest-ranked member of the Dragon Gate generation. So this is where he really has to shine. He has to work hard. And I thought, and I thought he did that. Unfortunately, I just thought that that match was kind of a mess and UT could only save it so much. But Nara to me is skippable outside of the young boy tag, which, uh, you know, I'll live with that. Cause again, it's not really a televised show. It just aired on the Dragon Gate network. And because there are so much bigger fish to fry, in the Drangate landscape in the month of November, like we talked about at the start of the show, the hellacious month that it will be, it begins November 3rd, Gate of Destiny live on the Drangate Network, and Mike and I will give you a full comprehensive preview of that now. Yeah, we went eight minutes on Nara, which is about probably four minutes too long, but I had to shout out UT there for a second. But So, Gate of, the Gate of Destiny, November 3rd, Edeon Arena, Osaka, it is a 5.30 Japanese time start, which means 3.30 a.m. on the East Coast, 8.30 uh, Universal TC. I don't know if the TC is in Universal TC. I'm just guessing that it's time. It's not time zone. I mean, Universal time converted. I know it's 2.30 for UKs in the morning. And, oh boy, this is going to be a meaty show. There will be English, uh, be English uh, commentary on it live as well. Big show already feels much bigger than the show we had in Tokyo in September. Case just and and just off the bat, I'm I'm looking at the show and really outside of how that that trial gate matches, everything of consequence on this show has some stakes to it and some some something to sink my teeth into. I'm I'm really excited for this. So, what's your thought about this card overall before we get into the match predictions? I don't even hate the Triangle Gate match. I know I've been really critical of Team Boku, but we're coming off of the Yoshida Diamante Sakamoto title win at Dangerous Gate, which I thought way over-delivered. And I think if there's a trio that they can do more good work with, obviously Tamanaga is not going to be much help with all due respect, but I think Doi and Shimizu together in a more serious title match role can deliver the goods there. But like I said, like I've been saying, Gate of Destiny, if if this was announced as the Kobe World card, maybe it would be lacking that oomph in the middle of the card, but I don't even know if I can say that. This is a loaded, loaded show, and it's 12 days before their biggest show of the year, which I don't know how they're going to restock and reload <laughs> for Kobe World. It seems like a daunting process. I was stunned we got an open the Dreamgate match on this show, because now I don't know what they're going to do the next time around with the Dreamgate match. And in only 12 days, like I said, at Kobe World, especially when the direction seems to not be Masada Yoshino retiring. And I know our prevailing thought for the longest time, or at least mine was, we'll do a Dreamgate match at Gate of Destiny. Probably Ada versus Yoshino was the line of thinking. And then at Kobe World, we'll do the six-man or the eight-man or the ten-man Masada Yoshino farewell. It's mid-November, it's kind of a dead period for New Japan, Milano Collection AT can show up, say his goodbyes, it'll be this great moment, and it will be fitting of a Kobe World main event, 
But given the fallout from Dangerous Gate, the idea that Saito and Doi were kind of convincing Yoshino to extend his career a little bit. Now, we don't have a definitive answer. We don't have a definitive answer to my knowledge, but it seems like the direction is that Yoshino will wrestle into the early stages of 2021. So I have no idea what this company is doing for Kobe World, but I do know what they're doing for Gate of Destiny. I have to say, up and down the card, I'm a big fan of really everything that's on this show. I'm I'm looking forward to it. I will 2.30 is an awful start time, but I will be doing everything I can <laughs> to watch this live because I'm really excited for it. Yeah, it's not like November 3rd's a big day. Luckily, my uh, my morning class on November 3rd, my Tuesday morning class, was uh, canceled next week to uh, vote. But I have voted early, and I encourage you, if you're listening to this before November 3rd, to go and vote early. Please, God, go and vote early. But, uh, yeah, this is this is just the appetizer of content viewing that I will have on the 3rd. But, you know, you wake up at 2.30 in the morning, you have fun for a few hours, you go back to bed, you wake up, and then you're consumed with existential dread for the next 12 hours or so. I mean, that's not a bad way to spend a Tuesday. It's not that all different from what I normally do. I, I mean, existential dread, you, you know you're talking about, like, probably a 20-match episode, a twenty match episode of Dark that's coming up, right? Like, <laughs> like that's what you're referring to in this, right? I, uh, like, that, <laughs> that. that's my Tuesday. That's my next Tuesday. Mike is slowly watching the votes trickle into South Carolina as Will Hobbs enters the ring for the 18th match on AEW Dark Dream Slam next Tuesday. <laughs> that is that is a tough life, Mike. I mean, look, we've all got our crosses to bear. That is certainly not one of them that I would like to have. I, I mean, I feel like if there's any doubt that everyone knows I'm not a sane person. I feel like that the last few months have further cemented that. But let's get into this show. Uh, we started off with a pre-show match. We actually have our match zero announced ahead of time. Kanes, Konama, Ichikawa, Sachioko Boy, and Hoho Loon go up against Yosuke San Maria, Problem Dragon, UT, and Jimmy. So pretty much everyone just getting on the card here. You know, I mean, the first time I think Kanes will have been in the ring for Dragon Gate since i think maybe july i want to say well, was kness in that uh kness wasn't in memorial gate was he kness you know it was funny when his name popped up on the card i was like oh my god it's great to see kness again and he has not been used mike since the empty arena shows he was used on may 22nd king of gate in the i was right kness was in the 12 minute long gamma and kness versus konamama ichikawa and saichi hoko machine match that was a tough That's one to right. stomach that was a tough <laughs> one to stomach and then other than that he worked one house show in february and the dragon scramble battle royal at the end of uh, january for the toriyaman reunion show but we have not seen kness really since the second Cork and Hall show in December of last year, December 18th, 2019, when it was Jason Lee, Yuki Yoshioka, y- Yasushi Kanda, and Kness defeating Mondai Ryu, Oji Shiba, Punch Tabadaga, and Sachi Hoko Boy. That is, uh, those are some names in that <laughs> eight-man tag. So it has been a long time since we've seen Kness. Uh, obviously, he was someone even in the prime of his career that was dealing with injuries, and as he's aged, it's only gotten tougher for him. I'd like to see him mixed up with UT, though. That is kind of the hope coming out of this, is that we get 90 seconds of really fun UT Kness grappling. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be an opener. It'll go, eight, it'll go six minutes, and really, you're hoping for like UT versus uh, Kness. Jimmy versus Kness, I'm afraid, Jim, I'm afraid for Kness's fragile body 
with Jimmy, though, to be honest. But it's a fun little, like, little, like, appetizer. You know, there's teasing us a little bit before we get into the show itself. And, I mean, I, I guess, really, the Dragon Gate Generation team's team that should win, even though this is, like, a match that does not matter whatsoever. Now nah, give Jimmy the pinfall. Jimmy deserves it. He's been putting in work in yeah. the dojo. He got his body together. Have him pin Ichikawa. That'd be nice. And then we have the opener. And, boy... This opener really like puts some things in 2020 on front and center. Dragon Gate Generation versus R.E.D. Dragon Gate Generation, Ben K, Strong Machine J, Dragon Daya, the most recent Triangle Gate champions versus the R.E.D.T. team of B.B. Hulk, Hyo, and Daya Inferno. Boy, like this is it only really like struck me here that that's the former champion team, and it's the first time we'll see a Strong Machine J since dropping the belts. Not only is it the former champion team, but a year ago at this point. Ben K was headlining this show against Masato Yoshino in a match of the year contender. So it is a long, strange trip for Ben K down the card. I, I've really struggled this year wondering if he's maybe being underutilized and under pushed because at the same time he was an open, the triangle gate champion. So I, I, I think there's still a bit of a debate there and now he's in the opening match on this show. Now I'm all for it because uh, much like we talked about at Dangerous Gate when Ashita versus Maria opened the show, this match has some life to it. I mean, this is Ben Can an opener, it's BB Hulk an opener, and you know Hulk's not a guy even at his advanced age that opens shows or is really working on the the front half of shows all that often. And you've got the Dragon Dia versus Dia Inferno aspect of things here. Mike, I know you've been concerned about the ring gear that Inferno has been wearing, but we've seen him on TV a few times now. How have you felt about his in-ring performances? I like the character, mainly because it does uh, Inferno does such a different uh, ring style than anyone else in the company. It, it comes across more brutal in a company where usually the most brutal things you have are chop battles of rookies and maybe... Uh, trying to shrug off a couple of Jumbo no Kachi. So him doing like backstabbers and things like this actually come a, comes across pretty fresh in a way, I want to say. The, the 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 biting of Daya don't really have a... I, it, it's really kind of gimmicky, but the rest of his ring stuff, I like Inferno as, as a character. I feel like that it has a... I think that he has a very distinct ring style that I think is something that is a new spice being brought in. And I think that it'll be interesting seeing how much they let Inferno really face off against Strong Machine J, given Strong Machine J's shoulders issues. I don't know if, if he's someone that would want to be taking a lot of backstabbers right now. It's funny that you mentioned that move specifically, because I did have that in my notes on the Nara show, was Diane Inferno had a backstabber, and I believe it was Kota Minora. And I thought, my yeah. God, that looks good. Like, that is... The exact type of move that this character needed in his arsenal, on top of the biting and the other brutality that I think comes across well, I I would expect Inferno to pin either Daya or Strong Machine J here. I think it's probably a little bit more noteworthy if he pins Strong Machine J. Is that fair to say? Just because we haven't seen Strong Machine yeah. J in a month. He hasn't wrestled since the 21st of September. And it, you just never know with him and his shoulder and his body how he's going to hold up, but he does still seem to be protected. So if Inferno pins him, that ki it kind of seems like a big deal. Yeah, if R.E.D. wins, it's going to be Inferno on one of them. I think it's going to be a DQ. I think he's mm. going to attack Daya again or do an unmask. Like, that seems to be really what they're building up to there. And then maybe 
if they're going to really just like blow this thing off at Kobe World, Daya goes like, you're going after my mask. Well, I want to see who you actually are. Who are you, Inferno? Let's do this for our masks at Kobe World. I can see that happening coming out of another DQ and a mask rip. Do you think that would be at all deflating a match of those stakes, mask versus mask, to do it on a 12-day build? I mean, I guess they've had a little bit longer, but with those stipulations set in place, if they were going to go in that direction, would you want it to breathe a little bit more? I mean, ideally I would, but it does seem like this is an accelerated time frame. Maybe not. Maybe the, the DQ and the mask grip happens at Kobe World and it sets up something for, for Final Gate. So then they have another two months to build it up. But it does feel like the... I, I do do I do not think that Die Inferno is going to be masked going into 2021. I would agree with that. It would be interesting to see them do that at Final Gate, given the Ata versus Drang Kid hair versus mask match a few years ago. Maybe maybe Fukuoka is secretly a lucha town, and we just don't know it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I will go with the clean finish here. I, I'm I'm gonna say Inferno is gonna pin either Daya or Strong Machine J. But I I buy your argument that it could end in a DQ. But either way, I think RED is coming out victorious here. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it's something where, like, this is a match where you just like look at it, it's like you have ways to go to, and you can't really select which one because I can just as easily see the scenario you're presenting as well. This was one that I've already written down all my predictions so I don't forget them, and this was the one that I left blank for last. I was like, oh wait, they'll probably do a DQ here, so. And then we have match two, which is an eight-man tag. The Torimon Generation team of Dragon Kid, Ryo Saito, Suji Kondo, Kagatora go against the unaffiliated team of Masaki Mochizuki, Don Fuji, Gamma, and finally it is time. The bodyguard will be at Gated Destiny in Osaka. In case, I have no idea what kind of match this could be. It could be a really, like, playing up Dragon Kid versus Bodyguard as Ultimo's like, oh yeah, I'm bringing in and Bodyguard, he's your problem. Or it could end up being like, all right, he gets like two minutes of offense and gets the pinfall. Like, th that's how I kind of see this thing going. Here's the thing with this match. I I will say I like it on paper. I'm glad they're not doing Bodyguard versus Dragon Kid in a singles match. Body oh God, no. Bodyguard and Shuji Kondo have never been in the ring with one another. So really? I, I like that pairing a lot. I assumed they had had numerous, at least multi-man matches together, but nothing comes up on the cage match search for Bodyguard and Shuji Kondo. So I'm looking forward to that chemistry. The danger of this match is that it has a real chance of overstaying its welcome. This yeah. is something that if you if you give it six to eight minutes, I'll be generous and say Masaki Mochizuki does the heavy lifting and you give this match ten minutes. Fine. That's cool. It's match number two. Get in, get out. If we start doing the extended bodyguard Dragon Kid talk segment, look, maybe I, I, I shouldn't knock it because I, I don't speak the language, so it's obviously not for me. But if we're doing a longer match with a promo and, and this and that... I'm going to turn on this really quickly because it has a chance given the eight guys involved. And I'll throw Saito in on that list just because while he's going to be doing comedy in this match, I think it might be worthwhile. This could be a really fun eight man. It just seems to be, it needs to be timed properly. Yeah. And you'd think that with matches that are pretty much all going to get a level of time, you can't really just have this thing go 15 minutes. Like this needs to be like a nine minute thing because you already have four title matches, a singles match, and you know the next match is going to get a lot of time as well, that this can't be in the ring for 
a quarter of an hour. Like you can't have like a back and forth microphone thing. This thing has to, I think it'll be very jokey, but I feel like that you can't just let it be joke, 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 joke and go on forever. Like remember like the uh, Rio Saito versus soccer Chikawa match at Kobe world two years ago and how long that was. Yes. It can't be like that. (laughs) Yes, I do. Mike, that was a very long match. I, I just to reiterate, for those that have maybe expressed some concerns, maybe don't follow Dragon Gate as intricately and see Bodyguard on this card, Mike, can you ease their worries at all that he would become a full-time figure in this promotion? Well, you know who Dragon Kid faced off at a Gate Destiny in years past? We talked about him last week, actually. Kenzo Suzuki. He never stuck around. Dragon Gate likes having, bringing in freelancers and people that might go across other fan bases. For big shows that they would bring in uh yoshiaki fujiwara just to put people in the seats because they know that could sell extra tickets outside just just to bother me they they brought in fujiwara just to bother me yeah uh unless unless suddenly we see that on the cork and on november 5th we see bodyguard in the main event there is no reason to think that this guy's sticking around no, There's he's, no reason to worry. He's also someone that has worked Dragon Gate in the past, and when he does, right. he does one-offs and then goes back along his merry way, and that's fine. I have no issue with that. So I, I'm i intrigued by this match. Again, it's kind of one of those, even though it's a match too, it's kind of a high-ceiling, low-floor match where I really don't know what I'm going to get. But if it's, you know, Mochizuki and Kagatora going back and forth and Kondo and Bodyguard bashing bodies against one another and you know fuji in the mix as well there's a lot to like in this match so we'll see how it is i'm just i'm very worried that this is going to become a prolonged segment when it doesn't need to be especially given matches three four and five perhaps that i think should get a lot of time and i think this is the one match that i would not even put odds on this one this is the one that is the real sucker bet that you add on into your parlay to boost it and get another one on your parlay. Mochizuki, Gamma, Fuji, and Bodyguard are going to win. Like, I can't see a world where Torimon Generation... I, I guess Gamma could pick up the loss there because you have Kid, Kondo, and Kagatora. But I just really think that this is something that, like, Mochizuki eventually is going to kick off someone's head and that's it. We're out of here. I actually think the result of this match is a little interesting because on one side... You have Bodyguard, the special guest, but on the other, it's Dragon Kid, Shuji Kondo, and Kagatora who are already in the Triangle Gate match at Kobe World. Now, my prevailing thought is that Bodyguard will pin Ryo Saito and we'll wash our hands with this match. Yeah. But there is a possibility that either, I mean, it would be weird if Dragon Kid pinned Bodyguard, but I'd be okay with that. But yeah, there's a chance that, that Gamma eats some Shuji Kondo suplex and, and the Triangle Gate contenders move on because of that. So the result is weirdly in doubt here for a low-stakes match number two. You see, I, I see the fact that the challenge team lost in Nara makes me think that, okay, they, they can take a loss here and that could be a part of the storyline going into Kobe World. Oh, yeah, well, and Saito's there to take the loss and he means right. nothing to that Triangle Gate team. So it's, no, I, I won't react strongly to it if the incoming challengers lose because I don't think it means anything in regards to their title contention. Right, yeah. And then we get into match three. It is a trios match of the Torimon Generation team of Ultimo Dragon, Masato Yoshino, and Yazushi Kondo versus the class of 2020, Kento Kabune, Takedo Kamei, and Madoka Kakuta. I'm going to be real interested to see how willing Ultimo is to deal with the kids this time. Because it's, as we've seen in the past, Ultimo is like, 
y'all handle these kids. They yell a lot and they chop really hard. I, I'm over this stuff. But at the same time, you I you do see like the little glint in his eye that Ultimo might decide to stretch these kids. Give me the result. I need the Mike Spears prediction off the bat. I think before we could even even dive deeper. Are we getting Ultimo steamrolling these rookies? Is Yoshino making one of them tap? Or are the youngsters pinning Yasushi Kanda? I mean, really, those are the two, two results. You get a flash pin on Kanda because neither Yoshino or Dragon probably will take a loss here. Or the, the kids get tied into knots. And I think the kids get tied into knots. I think they're pinning Kanda. I think this is nice. Okay. I, I, I think, look, I, I can't overemphasize enough the fact that on one of Masato Yoshino's final big shows, whether he's retiring at Kobe World, which I don't think he's doing, retiring at Final Gate, which he might do, or extending his stay through Dead or Alive or Kobe World of next year, assuming it takes place in July, the fact is this is one of Masato Yoshino's final shows, final big shows, and he's wrestling guys with less than a year experience in their career. This is a huge match. I think it's a huge seal of approval for Kabune, Kamai, and Kakuta, but I just think it's a huge match in general, and given the fact that we just need bodies on this Kobe World card, we need guys in the mix. I will go back to the theory that I proposed about a month ago now, where Kabune, Kamai, and Kakuta, after picking up a few flash pins at Corican Hall and at Fukuoka at the start of October... I think they're getting in that Triangle Gate match at Kobe World, and I think they're doing it by pinning Yasushi Kanda in this match. I'm pumped for this. I can't believe Yoshino's involved. I think he's going to beat up on them. I think Ultimo's finally going to snap and beat up on them. Kanda's someone who I think can be kind of sneaky, uh, stiff, and devilish. I think he, oh, yeah. he can lay the pain if he needs to, but I think the rookies are coming out of this ahead. I, I don't know about you. I've got real Kento Kabune vibes here. I think he is in line for a big performance because you think about what we've been talking about with the rookies lately. Madoka Kakuta was scoring pinfalls. He was the guy that we were looking at. Takedo Kamai, always consistent, very flashy, adding a lot of new moves to his arsenal. Kabune, in the rookie power rankings, needs to get back to the top of the leaderboard, and I think he's going to use this match to do it. I am so excited for this. If this card wasn't loaded, if this was a normal, even a normal Big Five show, this might be my most anticipated match, but there is just so much other good stuff on the card. But still, do not sleep on this match. It might not be spreadsheet-worthy, four stars or higher, but this is going to be really, really good. And this is a match that, five years from now, you start the uh, pre-match uh, music videos for with, like, Kabune and Kamei and Kakuta with a match like this. Like this is like the this is going to be like a highlight that's going to be in their reels for the rest of their career. So this is a big performance. This is a big opportunity for them, especially considering Kabune was the only one of these three that was on the Dangerous Gate show and was on a pre-show match. So it's going to be a it's a it's a big platform for these guys, and especially with Kabune and Kamei coming up on the anniversary and. December, and then Madoka Kakuta, who's just now crossed six months. So this is a big opportunity for these guys. And then speaking about big matches, we have a special singles match coming up after that. It is the former Twingate team. The former seem like they were almost like sworn partners that after gate, after Dangerous Gate and after the cage match where Kai turned on the Dragon Gate army and joined R.E.D. 
Yamato finally gets his hands on him in this singles match. And, you know, this is... We've talked before about how Yamato and Kai and how Tri Vanguard in a lot of ways was this thing that sometimes there was good chemistry with these teams together, sometimes there wasn't. But since Kai has turned heel, this has turned into one of the more red-hot feuds in the company. I'm really looking forward to this match. Yeah, the the Yamakai team always was a little bit confusing to me because I recognize that more often than not when the situation called for it, those guys would deliver and they would have good matches, but there was something about those two together. And I got over my, my Kai hatred, the fact that he was in Dragon Gate in the first place. I got over that by the time they were teaming. I was okay with him in the company, but there was something about that team... I, I just wasn't excited to watch them. I would see their match on paper, and I just wasn't into it at all. But now that they're apart, now that Kai has found his calling, you think about this guy that debuted in All Japan as a junior heavyweight, that went to Wrestle 1 and flopped there, and then somehow in the post-Shima Dragon Gate, found himself working opening tag matches in Tokyo with Hiroshi Yamato, and his calling is that he's now a top-line heel in the Drangate R.E.D. unit. It is insane to think that this is what Kai's career has been building towards, but he is so good in this role that I have very high expectations for this match because not only is Kai great, but Mike, I'm going to throw some qualifiers at you here to show okay. you how rare a non-title, non-King of Gate, televised Yamato singles match is. There's three qualifiers there, non-title, non-King of Gate, and televised. But when we're talking about Yamato singles matches with those things under the qualifications, he had the singles match with Ryotsu Shimizu on October 4th of this year, not so long ago. Before that, you turn back the clock to 2019, and it is the Kaito Ishida singles match in Kobe Sambo Hall, on August 17th of last year. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We hype ourselves up thinking, ah, maybe I can pull a Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value a complete view of all possible cards and clear hit rates for each one. Now, when I buy slab packs at Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. I was able to open an Arena Club slab pack, and, and I'll be honest, it was a lot better than what you normally do. Say you go to a card show, and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's going to be junk you're you, you know what i mean like you know what you're probably going to get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes i do sometimes i like just opening up cards and saying oh, hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards it sucks to have to buy these mystery packs and it ends up being you know almost nothing you know nothing of value not with arena club you can display, again, of all available cards, hit rates, grading, so you know that when you're opening up the slab pack, you are going to get something valuable. You are getting something good. And Arena Club, in addition to having those great slab packs we just talked about, is also a marketplace for card collecting, buying, trading, selling, displaying, all that sort of stuff. 
But those Arena Club slab packs, man, they are revolutionizing the repack game with transparency. After your polls are revealed, they'll immediately be placed in your vault for safekeeping or trading and selling, and you can have them officially graded by Arena Club as well. So again, setting these things off, it's going to be officially graded by Arena Club. And the Arena Club grading process is accurate, fast, and transparent with full grade rationale provided and explanation of how your card was scored. So whether you're buying, selling, trading, or displaying, Arena Club is the card collecting platform that you have to check out. So right now, I've got a special offer here for Voices of Wrestling Network listeners. You can get 10% off of your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Now, that's a crazy offer. That's 10% off a $400 slab pack. $40 off right there. 10% off your first purchase. No matter what that purchase is, 10% off. Again, that's arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net. Arenaclub.com slash V-O-W-Net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Before that, to find a match that was a Yamato singles match, not for a title, not on King of Gate, and that aired on TV, you have to go back to August 31st, 2014, when he wrestled Akira Tozawa in Hakata Star Lanes. So this is a big match. Yamato does not get put in matches, in feuds, in programs where there is a singles match at stake without a title typically. So I I don't know about you. I got a feeling this is not the last time we're going to see Yamato versus Kai in a singles match in the immediate future. But the fact that it's happening at all is a huge deal with huge stakes. Yeah, you see, I'm on a coin flip about this match because... I think that this could either be the thing that propels Yamato into a into a Dreamgate challenge at Kobe World, real safe, easy main event there. Then you could have Yamato versus either either Ada or KZ, and I feel like that that's one they could feel comfortable about in two weeks' notice, getting people in the building if they weren't already going to be there in the first place. Or we could prolong this thing, and that could be really, really interesting. We've talked before about how we miss the, uh, Yamato's specialty match, the no ropes match. And this is a feud that I feel like needs something like that. So it, this is a real coin flip match to me. I do think that this is in the special singles match slot, which usually when those matches happen, they're, they, they are bangers and they are able to challenge the, the title matches for match of the night. It's just like, it matters what you want to do with Yamato. Kai... Kai's found his role, as you talked about. He's great as the number two in R.E.D., something that R.E.D. desperately needed for a long time. But I think the question here is, what is your immediate plans with Yamato? And I think with this uh, with this pack schedule and with a with the biggest show of the year now, twelve days after this show, you can that's a, that's a question that's worth pondering. Of what are you going to be doing with Yamato at Kobe World? Well, I think you figured it out. I think Yamato, for as much as we might want a no-ropes match or even the continuation of this, I, I don't think that's out of the question. Honestly, the idea of a, and I will really pontificate into the future here, the idea of a Yamato versus Kai match headlining Champion Gate in Osaka next year would not surprise me at all. But like we said earlier, 
we need bodies on this Kobe World show. We need something that feels appropriate for the level of Kobe World. And Yamato versus Eita is a match that has really, in essence, only happened twice with a with an adult, with a fully formed Eita, King of Gate 2017, where Yamato beat him in Cork and Hall, and then this year's King of Gate semifinals, where Eita beat Yamato. So there's and the match a, of the tournament. That was the best match of the tournament. Exactly. Too. So there's a built-in, perhaps rematch or rubber match there with Eita and Yamato. While it not while while it might not be the most exciting pick, any match with Yamato is worthy of headlining Kobe World. And I think in an unstable year, in an unusual year, it's probably best to land the plane in the safest possible way. And that way is Eita versus Yamato at Kobe World. So I think Yamato's winning this match. Who knows, Mike? There's a Cork and Hall show two days after the show. Maybe maybe Kai wins here, and Yamato challenges him to a no-rope match at Cork and Hall. And then at the post-show, Cork and Hall uh, just dealings the promo battle. We get Yamato versus Eita announced for World. Who knows? That's a possibility. But I think that's you, spicy. I like it. I know. It. I, I like I that, like that too. Now that I say it, I, <laughs> hey, look, Genki Horiguchi, give me the pencil. Uh, but I think you have you have figured it out. I think we're heading towards Yamato versus Eita World. And given the fact that it was the King King of Gate semifinal this year, I think it would make sense. Yeah, yeah. It just it's just one of those things that I feel like a lot a lot more of these matches are not in question now because of the quick turnaround. And this is one where you could always go like, oh, that's the biggest singles match that they could do in the company if it's not Yamato versus Masato Yoshino in a retirement match, you know? Like like that that that's the match to make in twelve days. Yeah, it's it's again, it's maybe not the most exciting. I know I've been critical of Yamato in the main event scene, but it's also it's been what, he lost the title in twenty seventeen? And has he wrestled a Dreamgate match since? I gotta quickly look no. that up. Yeah, I mean it it's weird just because he's just a constant force on these cards, but you know, he lost the Dreamgate belt in November of tw- or I'm sorry, in September of 2017. He was Ben K's first challenger in August of that's last right, year. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. That was his last title match, but that, yeah, that's it. So despite the fact that he's, you know, been a twin gate champion seemingly for forever, because we talked a lot before the Liam Menorah reign about, well, even though the twin gate matches were still delivering at a high level, how stagnant that division felt. A lot of that was because Yamato and Kai or Yamato and BB Hulk were holding those titles. So it seems like Yamato hasn't gone away, but in reality, he's been, He's been away from the title picture for a little bit, so I think that's the, the direction we're heading. I love my fantasy booking idea of Kai winning here, the no-rope match at Cork and Hall, and then Yamato versus Eita at Kobe World, and if that is announced, boy, there is a lot to unpack there in the possible results of it. But all I know is that I'm really excited for Yamato versus Kai right now. I think this is going to be a really good, it's going to be a storyline-heavy match. This is one of those, if you're not into Dragon Gate, if you're bothered by the poor officiating and the salt attacks and the box attacks, this is not the match for you. But I'm invested, and I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like even with those, like, this would be really weird if this was just a straight-up sport wrestling match. Like, that's not what this feud is. You know, like, you get a lot of twists and turns, and you get, and we've had more than a lot of twists and turns for, for, pardon me, the next match. The Open the Brave Gate Championship match is a rematch from the Rainbow Gate Empty Arena Show's it is the feud of the year in pro wrestling. It is Kaido Ishida 
on day 365 of his title reign, going up against his rival in a rematch. He right now is 1-0 against Akuda, Kensuke Akuda, in Brave Gate matches. It all comes ahead in Kaido Ishida's hometown of Osaka, in the same arena that he won this title almost one full year ago. In case, it all comes to this. And I think that this is something that will go down in the books as a big point in both of these guys' career and how this story has been told. But when it comes down to it, Case, does Kaido Ishida enter a year, his second year of a title reign? Is he going to get cross this? Because we, we had a leap day this year, so 366 days. Is he going to make it to one full year as Bravegate champion? Over the past year, we saw Ishida win the belt from Susumu Yokosuka. He defended it against Jason Lee, Genki Horiguchi, Kaisuke Akuda, and Yosuke Santa Maria, and Mike. Kaito Ishida will pick up another defense of the Open the Brave Gate belt over Kaisuke Akuda in this match. We've talked about this feud since it really ignited on the March 22nd Empty Arena show, which is up for free in its entirety on the Dragon Gate YouTube channel. That's when this feud kicked off, and ever since then, we've talked about how this is a good helmet DVD-worthy set. If if there was ever going to be the return of the DVD, you would have to chronicle Kaisuke uh, Akuda versus Kaito Ishida because it has been a prolonged, old-school story wrestling feud in a way that is just so absent from the industry as a whole right now. And despite the weirdness of Ishida only defending the belt four times over the past year, I think he holds on the belt. The counter is, and Mike, well, let me ask you this first. What do you think? We are very divergent on this show. I think Okuda wins the belt here. If Okuda wins the belt, bravo. That is a chef's kiss in a story well told. But I think Kaisuke Okuda's a guy who you have to be really careful with, because I think he is ultimately, despite the fact that he comes across entirely different than this person from an in-ring persona, from his presentation, from the way he works, I think Akuda's kind of built like an El Generico, where it's really more about the chase for him. It's about that climb, and once he's on the top of the mountain, it's a little bit uncomfortable, and you kind of want to see him get knocked back down so he can climb up. And I do think... That while it would be great if Akuda would win, I think Kaito Ishida's retaining, because you not only have the idea of, let's say he retains past Kobe World at this point, there's a Dragon Dai defense there, there is possibly one of the young boys present that could challenge for a singles title, or Mike, the direction that I think they're going, I think we're getting Kaito Ishida versus Shun Skywalker. And, and that's like the interesting thing about this, because... As as I was watching Nara during the uh, match that had Daya and Inferno, the RED versus Dragon Gate Army match, these two, Ishida and Daya, have tremendous chemistry, and I really want to see what comes between these two guys. Like, there is a lot of more rope left. L- like, there's a lot of stuff to do. And I think the thing is, if Akuda wins, like, it can't be a long reign, you know? L- l- like, just because, as you said, like, he is someone where. You do have to kind of be a little bit careful of how you book Akuda, but there's a lot more interesting defenses possible with Ishida that he hasn't even got into yet. 
it's weird because Kaisuke Akuda's promoted like this MMA badass, and typically the booking there is that you want him to run over everyone, and that makes sense. But Akuda is that that weird case scenario where you just you want him to struggle. Like he's more entertaining when he's losing rather than winning, and I think that is partially just the fact that he was. Uh, transported into this Dragon Gate universe where that sort of character is just not a very common thing. I think if this was New Japan or All Japan, you would want Akuda just murdering people. But for some reason in Dragon Gate, it's much more entertaining to watch Akuda lose. And, I, and just I, snap. Yeah, I, I think it's there because I, I don't think a heel turn is coming. I mean, there's an argument to be made about the Ben K. Kaisuke Akuda tag team that seems like it's been hinted at a few times now. They're real-life best friends. Akuda's in the company because of Ben K. That is, you know, there are legs there, and Ben is obviously not doing a ton right now, so it wouldn't shock me if at some point in the near future they pivot to that direction. But I am personally more entertained by Akuda losing and Ashida continuing this dominant reign where really I think the only valid comparison at this point, and he's not on that level, and I don't think he can get on that level unless he really turns the corner and maybe we're throwing five snowflakes at this match. But this is the best Bravegate feud since Pac versus Ricochet in 2011, and this is the best Bravegate run I've seen since Pac's 2010-2011 record-setting, record-setting reign. Yeah, this is easily one of the top three Brave Gate reigns in Dra- Dragon Gate history right now, as is. And the question is, is if it can be better than this. And I think that's what we're opposing. Is like, do they see this is something special, this is the right thing, and then after this, we can make this guy into a top-line player after he has like this forever reign, you know? There's a lot of interesting ways to go with this match, and that's why I find this card so interesting, because we've been pretty divergent, I think, on basically every single result except for the opener so far. But there's a lot of ways they can go about this show, and I think that's what makes this a little bit more intriguing than maybe how I felt about Dangerous Gate. Yeah, well, like you mentioned earlier, I I agree. I think the future of this company, at least from an entertainment standpoint, is Kaito Ishida and his dragon, Daya. Now, whether or not Daya can be a headlining superstar, we I just, I don't know about you, I have no feel for that. I'd like to think he can be, but I really don't know. But I also don't doubt that Kaito Ishida one day will be top billing on a Kobe World Hall show. So I think this is exactly it. I think this is the reign where we we saw Ishida bursting at the seams last year when he won the title. It was the elevation that we thought, you know, man, this is great. Kaito Ishida is finally getting his due. And in the past year, we've gone, oh, this is only the start of it. Like, oh my god, this guy's got so much left in the tank. And I think similar to Pac's reign, where Pac held the belt all of 2011 through November when Ricochet finally beat him. And then what does Pac do in March of 2012, right after losing the belt? Well, he challenges Shima for the Open the Dreamgate belt, gave Shima arguably his best match of that entire almost two-year reign. And then from there, Pac became another, uh, had the Open the Triangle Gate championship once more before signing with WWE. Now, I hope to God that that's not on Ishida's radar, that he's not going to New York anytime <laughs> soon. If something happens, my God, I will be crushed. But I do think had Pac stuck around in 2012, 2013, he might have been the one to end Shima's title run, or at the very least, I think the Open the Dreamgate run that Ricochet got in early 2014 would have gone to Pac, and I think Kaito Ishida is following a very similar trajectory 
And I think in order to guarantee that future for him, he needs to beat Kaisuke Akuda here. It'll be it'll be a heartbreaking result if that happens, but I think it is a better story to be told. Yeah, and there's no one that whose ceiling I am as certain of in this company from the youngest generation of Dragon Gate than I am Kaisuke or, or sorry Kaido Ishida. Kaido Ishida is is the heel manager or the the heel main eventer part of me that is that everyone wants when they see Ada. I think that he is the capital G capital U capital Y guy now, and that's all because of this title run. And I don't know if and, and I think he's already ready to take the next step. It's just do they think it's time or do or, or are they thinking like we can make this into truly a trademark title run here that whenever people are going to look back at, at Kaido Ishida 20 years from now, we're like, and it all started when he became Bravegate champion. So it's, it's how long you want to make this here. No matter what, it, this title run has been a, been a home run and just hit it out of the park. I'm just kind of interested in seeing what Okuda would be as champion. And especially with how these other title matches go, it, it, this is the one, this is the one result I really have in doubt. So that's why I think that Okuda could win this match. I think that's I think she that, just ready now. That that's entirely fair. I I think that is entirely fair. It really does feel like a fifty fifty probability. And if you disagree with either me or Mike, I mean this is the t- this is the type of engagement I want at Open Voicegate. Let us know what you think of of Ashita versus Akuda here and who's coming out on top. Not to shamelessly plug the social media, but I'm genuinely <laughs> curious because this seems like one where it's really up for debate as to who people not only want to win but who people think is going to win. And I would like to think it's going to be Kaito Ishida. And this is how stoked I'm about this feud. This is the one Dragon Gate feud over like the last decade where I most wanted to make a music video for. Boot up, boot up <laughs> premiere, not for work, but for fun. Because this is like the one feud that you could do a My Way video too. Oh, and I think God. it'd be exceptional. Uh, that man, why we ran out of time, Mike? That's something we should have been we should have been putting in motion. My God, I'd like to see the My Way video for Kaito Ishida versus Kaisuke Akuda. Instead, I'll have like a three thousand word article up on the on the website. Coming soon to voiceofwrestling.com. <laughs> yeah, a slight plug there. Uh, and then we get into the Twin Gate Championship match. It is the Dragon Gen- Gate Generation team of Kota Minoru and Jason Lee defending against the Toriumon Generation team and the Kyushu Pro Tag Team Champions Susumu Yokosuka and Kiki Horiguchi. This is an in- we were worried about them before at Dangerous Gate, but now we kind of see that like this is. As we've been saying, this is Jason Lee's mountaintop, and this is the start of something for Kota Minora. Do you think that this ends here, or do you think that they're going to go through at least to uh, uh, Kobe World as champions? I really hope they retain. And that's not necessarily a shot at Yokosuka and Horiguchi. I just really am enjoying the idea of the Minora Lee title run, so I hope they continue here. My only reservation is that if they retain the belts, I don't... I don't know who's in line next, and I, I I would like to be able to piece that together a little bit, where I can make the argument that Ashita retains because maybe it's Shun Skywalker, maybe it's Dragon Daya. I can make the argument that Ata retains because maybe it's Yamato, maybe it's Bin K, maybe it's whoever, maybe it's Masato Yoshino. I don't have a feel for the immediate Twin Gate challengers 
if they win. Do you, by any chance, have one? I'll throw one out there. Okay. Gamma Fuji. Ugh, yeah. I, I, or, 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 Mo, or, or Mochi Gamma. Mochi Gamma. There you yeah, go. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I, I, it's weird that I'm not excited about a Masaki Mochizuki match. I probably should be, but... uh. That's that's fair. I think they retain simply off the notion that I want them to retain because for as much as I love Yokosuka and Horiguchi, I don't love them as a tag team. Yeah, this is like the wild thing. So these are two guys that have been so like linked with each other throughout their careers. I mean, members of M2K, members of Doofixer, members of uh of Real Hazard. I can keep on going members on of the and Jimmies. on. Members of the Jimmies, most notably, like member, like these are two guys like this, but they're known for their other tag team partners more so than each other. Ginky Horiguchi is known for his his team his teaming with Ryo Saito and Marahaya Sapa. Susumu Yokosuka just go down the line first. He's Ushikanda, then Kaness, then Kagatora. These were two guys that they, although they were often the same unit and were part of Triangle Gate teams together never really have been a twin gate team just a straight tag which is interesting but because of that you would think that these two guys would be a fully fleshed out team now and it still really feels like that these are two guys who are teaming with each other because they started winning together not because they're an actual team yeah it's just it doesn't they don't have the chemistry that i would want from even a horiguchi or a saito in previous years or a susubu yeah. and a kagator in previous years it, they they feel thrown together, and that's not necessarily an insult because they're, you know, two of the best 100 wrestlers to ever live, so they can figure it out, but it's maybe my least favorite pairing of a tag team of two guys that I typically really like. And, and that's entirely fair. That's entirely fair. But I, again, I have pretty high hopes for this this match. I think that Moon Nora and Lee have been a linchpin on the big shows. I mean, they they managed to have a really fun match just at gate at Dangerous Gate and then winning the match winning the belts at Memorial Gate, they pretty much willed the husk of BB Hulk into a great match there. So, you know, this is something that I, I wouldn't put that this is the the sneaky sleeper of the night because it's kind of impossible to have one we just talked about the feud of the year blowing up and just the match previous. But this is this is a strong match on the card and I really hope that they give these guys like fifteen and twenty minutes because I feel like that at the very least we, we talk about how this the Susumu and Horikuchi team feel thrown together, that's not a slight against them. I still think like that this is a very high-floor match. And ultimately, it's Genki Horiguchi in a title match, which means the backslide from heaven is in play. And that is the most dramatic thing in wrestling. 17 years after its debut, I still bite on every single backslide near fall, and that alone will make this match worthwhile. As a quick sidebar, one of my favorite uh, college football writers and podcasters is Richard Johnson, and he always says you have to establish the run. It's Friday, so establish. Make sure you establish the run. It's a Ginky Horiguchi title match, so you've got to establish the backslide from heaven. I would love, and he's probably too old now. You know, it would have happened after King of Gate 2012, which I don't know if you've heard, Mike, but Ginky Horiguchi did win King of Gate that year. The idea of you know we've seen the dummy videos of uh, BB Hulk practicing the Phoenix Splash with Hayabusa looking on. We saw Yuji Nagata taking limbo lessons to avoid the Rainmaker during the Okada-Nagata G1 match in 2015. I would love to get the training video 
of perfect backslide from heaven execution and Horiguchi running it on dummies and on trainees and on whatever else he can get his hands on. I don't know at this point in his career if there would ever be a match big enough to justify that sort of video, but I would really love to see it. This is the kind of stuff you put me in charge. Look, we're talking about digital content here and we're talking about shoulder content, baby. We're talking about Genki Horiguchi training videos. That is what I want. And on the other side of it, you could have uh, Minonora and Lee like trying to find ways to get out of backslides, l- l- like them trying like to flip over, like things like this. <laughs> this goes both ways, Case. This is the shoulder content that people crave. Mike, I love it. I love it. This is the kind of stuff we can bring to the table. Yeah, yeah. Talking about bringing stuff to the table, or maybe not bringing stuff to the table. Semi-main event: Open the Triangle Gate Championship match. If Team Boku loses, the Ryotsu Shimizu character is discontinued. It is the Goon Squad, the R.E.D. champion team of Takashi Yoshida, Diamante, and Kazuma Sakamoto versus Team Boku of Naruki Doi, Ryotsu Shimizu, and Punch Tomonaga. And this is like my one big thing about this card. I feel like that I know who's involved here, and I know that they don't ever really put the Brave Gate this high, but the Brave Gate should be this is my main event of this show, and this should be the first title match. I completely agree with that, and I I think it also hurts that, I don't know about you, but I think this is the most obvious result of the night. I think Team Boku is winning this match, and I'll take it a step farther. I think Team Boku is winning, and then I think they're losing the belts at Kobe World. I'm going to pull Lee Corso not so fast, my friend. Ooh, okay. I think R.E.D. is winning. Really? And let me lay out the reason why. Two reasons why. One, Ryosu Shimizu is never going to be a long-term character. Like, you just don't do that. Like, going back to a rookie gimmick that that always has, like, a lifespan, basically. And, you know, now they've done a full TV loop of him as Ryotsu Shimizu. Maybe it's time to see him like this. Like, you don't drop Team Boku, but he just goes to be... He goes by a shoot name or he just becomes Shimizu. Like, you have that. And number two, do you really, like, Naruki Doi on a 12-day turnaround... You really want to put him into a three-way or four-way triangle gate match when you might need him to sell tickets? Yeah, if he's in a title match, I think that is a, a fitting position for him. I mean, I don't think... I, the, the other thing that was floating in the back of my mind when we talked about the twin gate was, well, what if they did speed, speed muscle? muscle? Yeah, versus Minora and Lee, but I don't get the sense that that's happening. So at that point, you've got to put Doi in a match that matters, and and you could say, well, it's the Triangle Gate match, but, well, it's the Triangle Gate match. There's a title attached to it, so that match matters, and I think that's what he's heading into Kobe World defending. I, I, I think that then, I just by mentioning it, you've talked me into this result more. I think he loses, and then we get Speed Muscle versus uh, Minora and Lee at Kobe World. I think that that's a very thing, especially since it seems that the retirement is not on offer here. I think that's what you do. Because that way, you because you already have a Team Toriumon team in that three-way match. So you would have an R.E.D. team, a Team Toriumon team, and then you would have a Dragon Gate Army team. There's three teams right there. If you want to throw in the unaffiliated rookies team, there, there's your four-way one. You have one representative of each faction. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good argument. Damn, that's a good argument. But I, I do think, I mean, it's, yes, there's a Torimon team in there, but it's also Team Boku it kind of exists on its own island. I don't think it would be insane for Doi to at some point be attempting a Bakatare on Kagatora simply in, in the confines of that Triangle Gate match where Doi is repping Team Boku. I mean, that, that that's entirely fair. I, I This is the coin flipped uh, edition of Gate Destiny where Case and I are doing coin flips here. The match itself, I mean, listen, 
we have Takashi Yoshida and Punch Tamanaga in a match uh, on a semi-main event. We can hope, dear God, the other four carry their weight here, but we're not operating here with, like, new hazard uh, Takashi Yoshida, you know? L- l- like, this this match could get pretty sleazy, could get kind of brawly, and one can hope that we get to see more of the team that we saw at uh, Dangerous Gate of R.A.D. here because... This is going to be a match that's going to need certain things for it to be ultimately successful and be a strong match on the card. Yeah, no, this is uh, this is the kind of match that I, I'm, I'm shocked we disagree. I really thought the result was obvious, but now you're talking me into something that, that maybe was divergent of what I initially thought. But I, I this is the one match that I'm worried about the match quality of because we could get something yeah. pretty abysmal here given the way the other Team Boku matches have gone. But last time R.E.D. you know was in a Triangle Gate match, they over-delivered. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt here and say that I'm mildly looking forward to this. I'm intrigued by this, and some of that is what insane bump Diamante will do. Ryosu Shimizu is one of the more like entertaining people just to watch wrestle in general. And then Naruki Doi, and then you know Kazuma Sakamoto, sneaky great uh, Dragon Gate wrestler. So this is the x factor like this is the match that would take this from a show where it could be a very good show or dragon gate show of the year and it'll hinge on this match if you ask me oh well said and that brings us to the one match i think we both have confirmed that we do that we're in agreement on this is the open the dream gate championship match ada finally makes his first defense after almost is it almost exactly three months it'll be it'll be three months in a day because he won the belt on august 2nd all right, so just over three months, Ada got Yamato'd, and he's going to have his title match against KZ. And I've already said said earlier, I think Ada wins this match, but it'll be interesting what story they try to tell that might dissuade me from being so concrete and thinking Ada wins and loses at Kobe World. I can't speak into Kobe World and the result there because I just I just don't have a feel for it, but I have yet to find a strong argument for Casey winning other than the fact that I want him to win. I don't know what the game plan is if he takes the belt for Casey, and I especially at that point don't know what the game plan is for Ata. Whereas if Ata retains the belt in his first defense, mind you, you obviously have Ata versus Yamato, Ada versus Benkei, Ada versus Yoshino, which still can't be ruled out as a possibility. KZ, if he wins, I mean, it's it's an open book. It's fair game because he's now at the top of the card. There's still so many fresh KZ matches that haven't taken place, but I just don't see it happening. I think this is a fascinating match because, Mike, I mean, the only time we have seen Ata versus KZ is when KZ was Dr. Muscle and he won the Bravegate belt uh, over Ata on the first show of 2015. So we've right. never really seen these guys have a singles match. I've loved their chemistry and the tags. I think they work incredibly well together. And I think this is just the type of match that Ata needs one way or another. I think it's a benefit for him to not be in there with Ben K or with Yamato or someone that works, you know, especially for the Torimon generation, someone that works a more traditional Dreamgate style of match where they're going for the epic, but sometimes it doesn't necessarily live up to the degree that they want it to. I think he and Casey, being young, being agile, given their in-ring style and their history, 
I think they could work a really fast-paced 18 to 26-minute main event, and I have really high expectations for it. I think the result is obvious. I think Ada's winning, but I think this is going to be a special match, and whether I'm awake at this point watching live or if I've crashed and I have to watch it be, uh, after the fact, I'm going to stay unspoiled because there is a magic about watching KZ wrestle and just the idea that I buy into him, that at any moment he could become the guy. I firmly believe that when I watch him. I firmly buy into the idea that KZ is just a second away from becoming the guy that he wasn't even supposed to be. We can't even say this is his destiny because he was the beatbox guy in the jumpsuit five or six years ago and he's just magically transformed into one of the, I don't know, ten best wrestlers in the world in seemingly the blink of an eye. So it's not even KZ's destiny, whereas it felt like it was Ada's destiny to win the belt, to have the big match, and to have a shot to lead the company. This is all extra credit for KZ. These are all bonus points for him. And I think he just relishes in those moments. He shines in these opportunities. And while I think he's losing this match, I think one day we'll come on the show and we'll talk about the Open the Dreamgate champion, KZ. I just don't think it's going to be tonight. Yeah, he could then rest assured that he'll have the best title match in Ada's title reign, probably, in Pac's title reign, and in Masaki Mochizuki's most recent title reign. And arguably Doi's title reign. And Doi's title reign. So the last, so four out of the last six title reigns. He, oh, yeah, five, you know, before the last five. Sorry, four of the last five title reigns. And let me lay some facts here for people. Lay some facts, think, okay, Mike. Do it. They think that KZ has to win here. How many... Do you know offhand how many attempts it took BB Hulk before he won the Dreamgate Championship? I'm going to throw out a number. I'm going to say six. Closer to nine. Ah. Here's another fact. How many P- How many wrestlers, Dragon Gate wrestlers, in their first tile reign had a zero key tile reign, had zero defenses? I don't think anyone has. One, Ryo Saito. Mm, I wasn't sure if it was Saito or Fuji. I couldn't lock in on an answer. And lastly, how many times has the title belt changed hands at Gate of Destiny or at Edeon Reno Saka 1? Uh, I'm going to say twice, but I'm not confident in that answer. Zero. Wow. They have never changed the belt at Gate of Destiny. And they've they never, never had a Gate of Destiny 12 days before a Kobe World as well, which makes it even more unlikely. Yeah, yeah. And they've never changed... All the title changes that happened in Osaka all happened in Osaka Edeon 2. Shingo Takagi lost the belt to... Or won the belt back from Jimmy Subsumu at, at Champion Gate. Uh, Ricochet won it at Champion Gate. And you just go up and down it. If you're looking at places where they change the title belt, Osaka is not a t- place where they often change the title belt. So just 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 some few fair ones thought in of this. I think KZ's time might come. I mean, he's same age as Masato Yoshino. Masato, oh, not Masato Yoshino, Akira Tozawa. And Akira Tozawa was still a couple years away from getting that big win. And I think that's a similar situation now that KZ is in now. It'll come eventually. Might not be a long run, but it's not going to happen right now. But I think it will happen eventually, which is, is right. a, a nice future to think about. But I think this is going to be Ata's V1, and I really think this is going to be a great match. I All of the big Dragon Gate matches have delivered this year. Doi and Casey, Doi and Susumu, Doi and Ata. 
I think this is it. And the cage match. I'll throw the cage match from Dangerous Gate in there. I think this is going to be another big success for the company. It is. And it's something that, looking at the show, it's going to hinge on this Triangle Gate Championship match. If, this, if they over-deliver this match, this gets a best show of the year contender across the world by I mean, will lose to Russell Kingdom because it's a show in COVID times, but this could be the best show of the year in wrestling. And I look forward to it. It's uh, November 3rd. Again, not a ton going on that day other than, you know, the fate of American democracy or whatever, but there's gate of destiny. I'm very excited about that. Yes. Yes. And we will be back talking about that. We'll probably we're gonna we're gonna have to get together case and figure out our schedules for this next few weeks because boy is Kobe not making it easy on us the the guys in Kobe Kinky Horiguchi is like oh I I have to schedule this in a way just to make sure Mike and Case don't have a reliable schedule we have to throw stuff in the middle of the week we have to have both two the number two and number one show in our year within a thirteen day period you know they not making it easy on us here I like a challenge Mike I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to it as well. Again, the show is a 5.30 start time in Japan. That is 3.30 for the East Coast, 8.30 UTC. And we'll have English commentary. I know that it'll have Dragon Gate J, probably Ho-Ho Loon, at least with like how things go and, and where Loon is. I assume Loon will be on the, the call as well for new fans as well. And the more I look at this card, the more stoked I get for it. Like this... That like we're getting Yamato and Kai and Kaido Shida and Keisuke Akuda like those are two of the hotter feuds in in the world right now and those are not even like those are probably pre intermission that's the wild thing like those two matches might be like like Ishida Okuda might be the go to intermission match on this show. It's a beautiful thing to say. I love it. I, I this this card is so good. I'm so excited to watch this show. Yeah. Uh, any big takes you want to hit on before we get out of here? No, Mike. My life is one big walking take, and I've exhausted my energy previewing this Gate of Destiny card. Yep, and that'll do it for me as well. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. Cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujiheya with two eyes like Don Fuji. And that's going to do it for this edition of Open the Voice Gate. We do have a big week coming up, Case, because you know what's coming out this Monday from open the voice gate before the show like you can watch this if you're trying to pull an all-nighter before you before you watch gate destiny you know it's going to be hitting your everyone's podcast feed it's on monday what's that mike it is the open the voice gate rewind and rewatch where our dear close friend alan farrell joins us to talk about open the ultimate gate 2012 that Big show that, that show was an adventure uh highly worth listening when that hits your podcast feed that show was something else yeah, I, by far the longest. I think it's one of the longest shows we've done in the last like two years, case. But it was one of the more fun ones, and that'll be coming your way in your podcast feeds. There'll be a re- written preview up, probably pretty soon after you listen to this episode. As I said, I'm I'm putting together a piece for the uh, website as well, talking about the few of the year, Kaisuke Akuda versus Kaido Ishida. Big big time, big content. Open the voice gate. The, the, that would be our that would be our tagline if we were a radio station big time big content i hit hit it there mike hit the beat hit, hit stop recording big time big content and, and let it go <laughs> all right so for case i'm mike big time big content open the voice gate <laughs>